Welcome to the Cultivate Church Planting Podcast. We believe that the gospel is the hope of the world and that the world needs more gospel-centered churches. I'm your host, Brian Kelly, and in today's episode, Shannon Quintana and I are talking with Pastor Bill Welsh about some of the difficulties of planting overseas. Shannon Quintana has over 20 years experience in ministry and is currently the worship leader of a new church plant in Bradenton, Florida. Pastor Bill just so happens to be her dad, and Shannon was gracious enough to help co-host this episode. Pastor Bill Welsh is a church planter and pastor of Refuge Calvary Chapel in Huntington Beach. He planted in the 80s with his young family in Australia and has a lot of wisdom and insight into ministry and planting overseas. We're going to pick up here in the middle of a conversation about Pastor Bill's early days in ministry. Let's listen in. Here I was a a missionary at heart, and we had just two and a half years, two years before, moved back from um, uh, Australia. And so we just prayed, oh, God, just raise up the right person. And so the long story shortened up here is that uh, God made it clear to us that he wanted us to go. As an an invitation came, which was totally unsolicited, I was helping them pack up uh, the office of, uh, you know, the former pastor's books and all that. And I said, how's your search going? And I was just concerned for my sister <laughs> that uh, this wouldn't blow them away or anything like that. He said, well, we've, we've had some people come in, but we haven't uh, decided yet on, on who. But we've heard that you've pastored before. Would mm-hmm. you send us some messages? I think we found the right guy. And then, oh, man. <laughs> and I said, I don't even know if I have any messages to send you. Anyway, um, God put it together and, and convinced me in my heart that that's where he wanted me. And, and the very first Sunday morning which was the first Sunday in June of 1997, I got up and I told the congregation, I said, you're getting a pastor. I know I'm supposed to be here. I don't want to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. We love you too. (laughs) We love you too, Pastor Bill. But I know I'm supposed to be here. And so I am excited about that. But And I said, you know, facetious, I said, you you can see my heel marks in the desert across from Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. But I said, if God's not sending us back to the mission field, which I had hoped for, then he's, then he sent me here to send you there. So get your passports in order. Awesome. Because I would be thrilled to have to close the church down because everybody was out on the mission field. Everybody was out. (laughs) So it it was a missions minded church. You've, you've got a heart for missions. Mm-hmm. You've got a heart for church planting. Yeah. And it wasn't so. at that time. Okay. The, the pastor who, who the, the associate pastor who was there, uh, Peyton Jones, mm-hmm. um, he did have a heart for missions, but it, it wasn't built into the culture of the church. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Peyton Jones is the church planner himself and has a he is, ne- yeah. amazing uh-huh. network. He does. Um, so that's awesome. You, you were part of sending him out. You still support him and his network as yeah. a church? Yeah. Awesome. We do. Awesome. We sent him to Wales, the the land of the Welsh people. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> and we, we about talked that. about this before we started recording, but when um, when we first met him, because the the congregation there uh, and the leaders, the board had made their decision, and they said we need to take this to the congregation. He said because the congregation is the one who pays the bills. <laughs> yep. So and that's how, that's what Pastor Chuck had told them. You should get a a, a buy in from the church. Yeah. And um, so once the decision was made that it was us, uh, Peyton and Andrea, we flew them out to um, uh, New Mexico to meet with us. And that's where we found out that he, uh, Peyton, was born the very, almost at the moment that my wife and I were married. Wow. So however long I'm married, that's how long he's been on the planet. Wow. So, and he had a burden a for the Welsh blessings. people. 
Oh. <laughs> yes. How old were you when they when he went out to Huntington? When they moved to Huntington, I was probably I think I was probably like twenty or twenty one well, mm-hmm. twenty. Yeah, almost. We had moved back from Australia a couple years before. I had just started dating my now husband. And when my family said they were moving, I said, Well, I'm staying here because my boyfriend's here. (laughs) So my sister and I. Remember that conversation? Not with that voice. I don't remember that conversation. I just don't remember ever. That sounded like a sassy voice. Well, that would be me. That's my boyfriend. Yeah. That's my boyfriend. (laughs) I'm amazed my parents let me live. So So I stayed. I was probably about 20. And then. About a year after that, I went out to Calvary Bible College with Jesse. Okay. And that's where we met. met. You guys. Yep. Mm -hmm. We met Shannon and Jesse 23, four years ago. 25 years ago. We've been married almost 23 years. Yeah. Can you believe that? That's amazing. Wow. Before um, Refuge, before Calvary Chapel Huntington Beach, uh, Shannon mentioned it, Australia. Mm -hmm. So... I have a little bit of a history with you and, and, um, we've known you for a long time right. since we were in Africa and as missionaries. So but, how, how long ago was that, that who was it 15 years ago or something like that, that we moved to, we moved to Uganda in 2002 okay. and we moved back in 2011. All right. So, um, and I don't know if you remember this, but I called you when we were moving back from Africa and I was like. Pastor Bill, I don't know what to do or where to go. I we know we're remember, supposed to leave I do remember uh, conversation. Uganda and, the, you know, the transition happened there with to another pastor and everything. But I didn't know what to do and still a young. You know, I became a pastor there just kind of by default. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that led the church planning team ended up coming back to the States within that first year. And uh, um, so I was 24. I became the pastor and kind of learned on my own, but never had a, mm-hmm. a mentor or anything like that. Yeah. So. I think that's why I was kind of reaching out. That was me too. Uh, When it came to pastoring, I I had models, but definitely did not have a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And I read books and everything, but it's not the same. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. Mm -hmm. Do you think, I mean, how important is that? Because we talked about mentoring um, in our Cultivate Church Planning Program. That's a big part of it is mentoring. Because a lot of these guys, they go out, they're called by God. They feel like we're gifted. We've got a team, but they don't have that like connection to someone who's been there, done that, an older, wiser Mm. person. I mean, how important is that as far as succeeding? Uh, I I think it, it, I think it's incredibly important that you have a, a circle of whether you call them a, uh, a mentor or a coach or a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm at a point in my life where I, I know we're moving towards a transition at Refuge Calvary Chapel in Huntington Beach. And uh, I'll still be in the in the body there and still a part of the, the ministry team, but I won't be as regular in the Sunday morning pulpit, the weekend yeah. pulpit. And um, but I really I really pray and I hope and I'm planning on doing a whole lot of uh, I would call it friending of just <laughs> uh, you know other people that are in in ministry and need someone to come alongside of them and hear. And I think a I think a mentor is a friend with a with a really clear agenda. Yeah. And maybe it's not a hard... That's uh, a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. A friend with a clear agenda. I think as, as long as that person doesn't feel like a project. I feel like that mm-hmm. is like come in uh, yeah. with like pursue people for the benefit of that person. Like yeah. God has drawn you to that person. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important. I did not go after discipleship for myself until like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, yeah. You mean to uh, be discipled? Yeah. Yeah. Because I just 
thought, oh, I know what I'm doing. And I, do you think that a lot of pastors don't go after that? Do you see a lot of pastors who don't necessarily have that in place? Uh, yeah, I think so. And there's a, I feel like there's I a think there's more now mm. because it's really become one of the, 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 the topics on the table in, mm. uh, in, in pastoral circles. You mean people are getting discipleship and yeah, I think is more? That you, was that your They're question? getting it more now? Yeah, I think mm. so. Maybe it's becoming more of a... I feel like you did it the opposite way because most people are like, they need mentors in the beginning and then they're like, oh, I got this figured out mm-hmm. and they don't need it. Yeah. But I, well, that's wisdom though. But I realize I missed out. I see it now and I'm like, man, and not just discipleship for myself, but also discipleship for other people. Right. Like that I would be pursuing somebody else to disciple. Right. You know, that whole like, yeah. I don't know what it's called, but having somebody who's mentoring you and somebody that yeah. you're always having that right. you're being poured into and pouring out. And you do that well. There's so much health, yeah. but I have not done that until more recently. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've helped people learn how to play instruments. Yes, I've helped people right. sing, but really getting entangled with people and like That's a different getting story. messy with them, <laughs> it changes things. And I had a conversation um, in Israel this last, uh, oh, which which trip was it? <laughs> I think it was the last one in uh He's November. been on three trips and like, I don't know. I meant to ask you about that because you're always in Israel. I look on Instagram because Bill has a a great Instagram page. You're always on there. You're active. I should get that page back. Oh, yeah. It's going to come back. He had an even greater one with more followers. Oh, man. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, He got banned. (laughs) He's going to get a badge and sew it on his jacket. (laughs) But but I had this great conversation. You know him, Jeff Mm Quazzo. And Jeff Quazzo was a friend of our family, a very good friend of my oldest daughter at one time in, in Bible college. And um, it went different directions, and, and God was obviously in all of that. But we become good friends again. Okay. And uh, we've never not been friends, but uh, we, we took a walk um, in this last trip to Israel, and it was a, a trip where a team of us, um, uh, primarily Calvary Chapel pastors, are doing two different pastors' conferences in Israel, one with Israeli pastors and one with Arab-speaking pastors, or Arabic-speaking pastors. Wow. And uh, we were taking this walk one night, and he said, and Jeff said to me, you know, Bill, you, you were the first person that ever asked me to go take a walk. And he said, I don't know. I'll probably choke up a bit here. But <laughs> um, okay. he said, you pro- I probably told you the story. And not if he did, I didn't remember it. But he said that when I came and visited you guys on the way driving back to uh, uh, New Jersey and stayed at your house for a couple of nights, He said, that that first night you said, uh, let's go take a walk. And I had a certain reason I wanted to take a walk with him and talk about him, talk with him about some stuff. But he said, you just asked me questions about who I was. You asked me questions about uh, what my, you know, ministry focus was and what what my hope for my life was. And he said, that, that was probably the the, the, the first level of mentoring I ever had was you, you just saying, let's take a walk and let's talk. And, uh, and with this passion that I have to, to be involved in the lives of, uh, of other leaders right now, whether they're young or older leaders, I was struggling with what kind of format, what's this going to look like? And I said, Jeff, you just set the focus for me (laughs) on taking a walk. I'd love to walk. (laughs) I said, taking just taking a walk with somebody What's else. What's the secret to your discipleship success? Yeah. Take a walk. Yeah, let's go for a walk. Yeah, because that's what it is. We're all <laughs> yeah, on a walk with yeah, the Lord. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so it, I just, I, I mean that seriously, that just, it just kind of pushed to the back all that fear about, am I qualified to be a mentor? Am I qualified to be a, a pastoral mentor? So 
I can't wait to see what this looks like. I find it encouraging that you ask yourself that question because I feel like you, of all people, are qualified to be a mentor. So, <laughs> it's, uh, mm. yeah, it's um, so getting back to uh, missions. You're a world traveler. You've been to Israel three <laughs> three, three times this year. Mm. Yeah, uh, you're not slowing down anytime soon. In I fact, you're not. gonna you're working on someone else at the church there. You'll have more time to travel. You yeah. think? Yeah. Visit yeah. Florida. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I would right. love to. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to come back here. So many reasons to visit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Two really good ones. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But kind of your first experience, I I think overseas, you can clarify, was to down under Australia. I had been, I'd visited a few other countries. I did. Yeah, it was Very good. well yeah. done. Yeah. I'd you. visited some other countries uh, before we moved to Australia, but I had Probably by that time, I'd, I'd stepped foot in, you know, aside from Me- or along with, not aside from Mexico is important too, but yep. along with Mexico. <laughs> That's like the uh, the shallow end of the pool, you know, you get your feet wet. <laughs> but culturally, it's frightening to me yeah, because yeah, you don't get as far speaking English down there exactly. as you do in Australia. Exactly. That's true. But yeah, uh, Australia was the first real submersion in uh, in in another culture. Mexico, I feel like, is is a great place because it is a different culture, different language, everything, but it's close enough to where it's kind of an easy trip, especially if you're yeah. going across the border. Do a if you, yeah, you can do mm, it quickly. It's, it's easier cheap. if you're coming out of Mexico right now to get across the border, I hear. Oh, really? Just I've sat in that hear. line in uh, but you can't Tijuana just walk for like across. four hours one time. Just, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. to but get they back sell in. you the stuff on the oh, yeah. door of the expo- explorers. I was making a political <laughs> comment, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you? Okay. You can edit that out. <laughs> it just went right over my head. Uh, how come your podcast got banned on the first episode? <laughs> right. Oh, well. We've got it back there with Zuka Laley's Instagram. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's your new Instagram? So uh, My probably... temporary Instagram is uh, Bruku Laley. So okay. it's ukulele with a BR on the on the beginning okay, of it. Okay, we'll yeah. search for you. Can we search just your name, Bill Welsh? And then we'll yes, I think so. I, I think, think we might have set him up <laughs> for that. We might have set that up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so jumping over to the other side of the world. Right. Literally the far farthest corners of the earth. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was about 8,000 miles away from yeah. California. And that was in what year? Started going there in 1987. Um, I'm a musician too and did some songwriting and would go into schools. We're going to have to have you back on another podcast to do That's one about right. music, <laughs> worship, <laughs> yes. and the like. <laughs> but I started going down there in 1987 in our northern summer, which was their winter, winter yeah. in the south. And uh, through a, a youth with a mission friend, Peter Turvey, who now lives in, in California, he opened up some doors. Yep. And it was, um, uh, I think it was right after the L.A. Olympics, we got connected with each other. And he's, I, I called him and I felt like, hey, Peter, I think it's time to take this step. He said, well, let me set up a, um, an itinerary for you. So uh, with a couple of churches in the Melbourne area and some, a couple of schools and a community concert and then went up to Sydney. So we did that in 87, 88, 89, and, and 90, and then we moved there in 91 as a family. Wow. First year we took, it was just my wife, Joy, and I, and our son, Jeremy. Yep. And uh, we left our two older daughters, Shannon and Bethany, and our baby, Starlin, <laughs> who wasn't a year old yet. Oh. And, and that little girl took her first steps while we were gone. No, but, I don't remember um, that. 
There are those little yeah. sacrifices you make, yeah. though. I mean, the big mm-hmm. ones, too. Yeah. Okay, so moving over, 1991, mm-hmm. and your goal was to plant a church. Yeah. Okay. And it was to plant a, a church that was in the Calvary Chapel family. Yep. And uh, there were a handful of Calvary Chapel ministries in Australia on both the, the East Coast and the West Coast. And um, so we talked to them about possibility of, of getting sponsored, and neither one of them were able to do that because they were kind of at the limit of how many people they could sponsor with the size Oh, you mean the they... government, like the government sponsorship yeah. and stuff? Yeah, okay. and that was to get a Christian workers visa that was to go in and work with them and then maybe in time branch out and plant. Did you do that? have to do that in New Zealand when you guys moved there? Yeah, so we lived in New Zealand for two years. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember getting your advice about moving to New Zealand, too, uh-huh. because wow. it's, it's down under. Was I remember it Lynn calling me like, did it ruin you when your parents moved to Australia? I was like, no, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have to get a, a work visa, but it was easier for us than I'm sure for you mm. uh, because we didn't go to plant a church, but we went to take over an existing yeah. Calvary Chapel uh, that was yeah. there in Auckland. But did Brian Hughes? Brian Hughes, yep. Hughes yeah. Yeah, so he he was retiring, and he, through a mutual friend, uh, called me up, and it worked out perfectly. We were just in a transition out of our church plant yeah. in, in Washington State. And, um, I mean, we're like, New Zealand? You know, we'll, we'll have to pray about that. Well, let me see. Beautiful country. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And but they have you hobbits had... there too. Yeah, <laughs> they do. <That's> yeah. Right. <laughs> but you went, we ended up getting sponsored into Australia, not by a Calvary, but right. by an Anglican church. Yeah. Ooh, okay. It, yeah. it was one of the first churches that I worked with on that. The, well, every trip that we took going over, you know, short trips, uh, two weeks to, to a month, um, this Anglican church, which was a kind of a spirit-filled Anglican church mm-hmm. with a real focus on evangelism. And uh, the pastor was visiting us in California, in the desert there. He said, how's your, I'll never forget this conversation. How is your, uh, how's your search for the uh, um, sponsorship going? I said, well, nothing's coming through. He said, well, let us sponsor you. I said, wow, that's really generous of you. But I know that God's calling us to come and plant a Calvary Chapel fellowship. He said, well, you can do that. You can even start it when you come, but just serve with us for a year. Okay. And um, do worship and some missions and outreach and, so when you were planning to go over and plant, I mean, what kind of went through your mind and what were you, what was your vision, I guess, about going there? Just kind of see what happens <laughs> or did you have a specific well, goal in mind? I, I didn't know how it was going to work, but I, I felt like, we, you know, we just seek the Lord and target a community or a suburb or whatever, mm-hmm. wherever it was. And, um, and then just, you know, somehow make our presence known with, with neighbors and some, maybe some more outreaches in schools and and just see how this went. But that Anglican church, where they were in, so incredibly generous. They said, well, they asked me, well, where do you think you're going to do this? I said, probably out in the, the southeast suburbs. Mm-hmm. Then nobody will recognize Was that Melbourne? Me. Yeah, yep. in Melbourne. So the southeast was um, uh, cities like Endeavor Hills and Dandenong and some cool, you Barrick. know, Aussie names. Barrick. What's the population of Melbourne? Is it? I think it's million? now over four. Oof. It was over three at that point. Now I think it's about four. So it's a pretty big city. And Sydney's maybe five. <laughs> call it five. a big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the pastor of that church said, well, if, if that's the area that you're, you're really targeting, we've got a lot of people in, in our fellowship, Christ Church, uh, the name of the, the town was Dingley. Dingley. Yeah. Nice. And uh, why don't you just take... You're going to go to Dingley, mate? Um, Dingley. <laughs> he said, 
And it's, oi, oi, oi. it was a beautiful family of people too. But they said, why don't you just contact these people and let them know you're, you're starting a fellowship down there and see if they want to help you, see if they want to nice. connect with you. And I, what, what pastor does that? Yeah. And especially if it's out of your, your out of your denomination or network. Yeah, yeah exactly. So mm-hmm. Rob That's Isaacson, so Rob and Lois, precious mm-hmm. people. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found it. I mean, just living on the mission field, a lot of those differences that we have in the states that are seemingly so significant. Mm-hmm. Once you get out on the mission field and there's work to do, some of those kind of like you're able to work together mm-hmm. a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's, That's what necessity. worked for us. So going over with church planting, let's go over there. Let's plant a church. First of all, first things first, we need to get that permit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you got it. Yeah, you have to legally get in. You, you right. can sneak yeah. in, but yeah. your time's going to be limited. Oh, wow. <laughs> you want a long, yeah. a long-standing um, relationship. What were the most difficult things? I, getting in was difficult. What else? Hmm. I, would, I would say, you know, one of the most, one of the question marks was always, are we going to be effective at reaching people? Are we, are we going to bridge the culture? Um, I think one of the hardest things uh, and really one of the most critical things is realizing you are going into another culture. They might speak your language and, and you won't have a, you won't have a really hard time understanding them. Hey, that's good. And, uh, that's really that's good. good. But, uh, and, but good. you know, if you're, if you're in Melbourne, you're going to go out let's go get some fish and chips, mate. Yeah. If you're in New Zealand, it's fish and chips. And the language is the least of those because there was what I would call a deceptively similar culture. Yep. I'll never and, forget that. And I was going to bring that up if you didn't, because when I was talking to you, you said that. Did I use that term? Yeah. Yes, you would use that exact term, deceptively mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. in far, as far as culture. Because yeah. when we were in Uganda, it wasn't very similar. Mm-hmm. It was different in Completely almost every different. way. Mm-hmm. Except language, right? You could Except for language, yeah. And language was the second, I mean, English was the second language. English then? was the the. The national language of Uganda. Oh, okay. So it's it's the school language and everything, government language, but everybody spoke their tribal language oh, first. Okay. But there were so many tribes that they would yeah. all have different yeah. first languages. So second language was English, and then East African language is Swahili. So mm-hmm. all the surrounding countries were Swahili. So everybody you met in Uganda generally spoke at least mm-hmm. three languages. Wow. wow. So That's we think amazing. of that. We think of these countries like, oh, they're just these developing nations, we need to go mm-hmm. help them. A lot of them are probably uh, smarter, smarter in many than ways than, yeah. than we are. So, yeah. but deceptively similar. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's wise. I'm not, I'm not sure I did this well enough, but having conversations with, I guess you'd call them the natives or the locals <laughs> and the learning their cultures, cloth, yeah. <laughs> learning their culture. And even and literally, I'm serious about this one learn their language, even if it's English and sit down. And I I tell people to do this. Maybe we talked about this. When you go into another land, ask them, what words should I never say? Yeah. And there were a handful of words in uh, Australia that you would never say from the pulpit. Yep. And uh, because don't say you, them here because we might get a, yeah, I won't explain it. I know we can get a bad review in uh, Australia because you literally would be cursing. Yeah, you'd be yeah. using a even though they're words that we would not find offensive. No, not at all. In English here, I have a question. What makes it difficult? What made it difficult because it was deceptively similar? Like, do you think it's easier to go to a place that's deceptively similar as opposed to a place that's like glaringly yeah. different? Yeah, here's one, and and this is again back in Israel. 
um, uh, leading hiking tours and leading what we call bus tours or traditional tours, you're always working with a, a guide who's a local. Mm-hmm. And they have a very different uh, pattern in conversation that can almost sound like they, I think they hate me. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're really angry right now, but they're not. You, you're walking through the, the, uh, the market and you get into a, a, a sort of a dickering conversation over a pair of shoes you want to buy mm-hmm. or a souvenir. And you can think they, they must really not like me, but it's just <laughs> the way they, they talk. And I had, I think I crossed that bridge in, in one of our last tours where I had to push back against uh, um, a guide who I really love. I love this young yeah. man. He's just, he's so full of life and passion when he's talking about anything. And he wanted to talk to us a lot about geology. I don't take people over there to talk that much about geology. And, but it was, it, it was just an adjustment we had to, to make. So, um, and so those kind of things where you learn their, their pattern in conversation and you, you learn sort of their, their level of what could appear to be aggression in a conversation. And it's just not it's yeah. just the, the way that they talk on a daily basis. I talked about that the other day with someone um, in talking about church planting that really, even if you're church planting in Florida or Washington state or California, wherever you may be, if it's different from where you're used to or where you grew up or that you're, you're really going into a mission field. Mm-hmm. You have to understand the differences, yeah. you know, Florida's a little bit different. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, Shannon? Yeah, totally. And do you feel like you in that instance that you're describing, like it's your job to default, like to allow that to come to the forefront, like you're joining them, not asking them to join you in the way that you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, um, that's the arrogance of missionaries a lot of times. Right. Like, Here I come with my, and that's right. what they did back in the like day. Like the Crusades. You know? yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And even even further on in the, the missionary century. And <laughs> um, in the 1800s and everything, mm-hmm. they would come in with the English culture because it was advanced and superior. And right. now to, in order to be a mm-hmm. Christian, you have to wear this kind of clothes. Mm-hmm. And that's why Hudson Taylor had such success in China because he yeah. didn't really do that. He, he mm-hmm. became as much like them as he possibly could. Exactly. And that's church planning too. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. want our listeners to know that's not just missions, but there's a real overlap of be sensitive to the culture you're entering right. and learn what, what I hear you saying is learn that, especially the differences in language and the way people right. talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did, did it take you a while to feel like you'd have been accepted by the people of Uganda that you were Uganda, to. yes. Um, and it was a great country because um, they had a love for the United States and um, for cult- United States culture mm-hmm. and uh, respect and that sort of thing. So you already kind of had like a... We already uh, had like a, an approval, high approval rating, right. but there was a difference between that and actually being accepted into their like, yeah. culture. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And to be honest with you, and I've I said this to someone the other day that You'll never really be able to be one of them because a lot of times missionaries or church planners go in and say, I just want to be one with the people, whether it's maybe it's an inner city urban thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be an inner city guy. He grew up on the farm in Kansas his whole life, but mm-hmm. now I'm a city boy, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, there's always going to be a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think there is that, to your point, that level where they will accept you and at least understand we can be open with you and honest with you mm-hmm. because we know you're not judgmental of our mm-hmm. culture right. or the way we do things. You're here to learn. I think 
The more I the more I look into it, the more I realize humility is one of the greatest totally. things a church planner can yeah. have. Love and, and humility. You yeah. approach people. That's why I love. appreciate you so much, Mr. Bill. Uh-huh. You're your dad's a humble guy. He is. Yeah. I most think it's time, more tell valuable. Tell us about a prideful time in his life so he doesn't just, <laughs> no. oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a transforming time, actually, the one that came into my mind. But I think what you're describing is there's a lot of value. What I'm hearing you say is mm-hmm. there's a lot of value in saying I'm a farm guy, but I'm in the city now and not yeah. trying to pretend like, no, I'm just like you guys. Like we're bros, you know, it's just coming in yeah. and, and respecting the differences and being a lifelong learner. And that's yep. where humility mm-hmm. comes into play. Like I'm not a city person, I'm, but I'm not a farm person either. I'm, I guess yeah. I'm a suburban suburbia person. I feel like a lot of these, especially young guys, like I almost said like me, I'm not a young. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> oh, so yes, sad. You are. Okay, thank you. I, just, I was looking for that. Oh, I, I was waiting for that. I agreed with him and you're like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Shannon. Uh, can we mute her mic? <laughs> yeah, um, But I feel like there's a kind of a, it's cool to church plant now. And so they're all seeing what should we do? And we're listening to the podcast. I mean, we're doing a podcast. So yeah. we're reading the books yeah. and it's almost like you they're trying to plug in this formula of like, mm-hmm. what should I wear? Yeah. How many tattoos should yeah. I have? You know, mm-hmm. what's, how should I do my, what hat should I right. you know, be wearing? And it's almost like a, it's not who they are, a lot of yeah. these guys. So, and that's, don't you feel like people can see right through that? Uh, I, I think feel so. Like it when, you know what I call that brand? T- to me, that's approaching uh, church planting with a franchise mentality. Yeah. That mm-hmm. you're going to come in, you're going to plant the franchise. And there's a, there's a poem that really illustrates this. And Shannon will remember this poem. It's not a Bible poem, but it's about God. And so one, <laughs> one day God says to me with a smile, how would you like to be God for a while and rule the world? Okay, says I, I'll give it a try. Where do I sit? How much do I get? What time is lunch and when do we quit? And then at the end of the poem, Shel Silverstein is the one that wrote that, the guy that did the giving tree. Okay. He says, give me the wheel. You're not quite ready yet. <laughs> and so when someone comes in with this, this vision of I'm going to be the guy in charge, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the captain of this ship and I wonder what my salary will be. And I wonder, right. you know, yeah, th- yeah, those yeah, kind yeah. of things. Surprise, like, how many surprise. thousands of people are going to be there in the first yeah. six oh, yeah. months? Yeah. yeah. But when you come in like a, like a servant that we're all meant to be mm-hmm. under, you know, our servant King Jesus, mm-hmm. and you just serve the people that are in front of you. That's and, right. And uh, there's, there's, a, there's almost become like a mantra at, uh, at Refuge. And I, I had wondered for a while, is anybody catching this? Is, is any, has this impacted anybody like it did for me when we were studying through the, uh, the Gospel of Luke? And I came to the familiar story of the, the parable of the, um, 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 the Good Samaritan. Yeah. And uh, so he comes and he's, he's got a question. And he says, uh, how can I get to heaven? Or how can I have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you, know the, you know the Bible, why don't you tell me? And he says, well, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. And Jesus says, he doesn't say, yeah, that's the way to get to heaven. But he says, well, why don't you go do that? Uh-huh. And he says, yeah, but who's my neighbor? <laughs> and, it's, and it says he said that to justify himself. Yeah. So whatever the backstory is there, he's maybe feeling bad about somebody he dissed. And, yeah. and, and now the question is different. The question is, who's my neighbor? And he basically comes down to this, you know, the story. He says, two guys pass him by and the Samaritan stops and helps the guy. It doesn't say he preached to him, but he helps him. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, well, why don't you go do that? And I, it, I remember the moment that it hit me that what God wants me to do for the rest of my life, 
is to stop for the people that are in the middle of my road that day, that moment. And, uh, and I still feel like that, that defines what ministry here on this planet is, to stop and to look in the eye, into the eyes of and, and help somebody who's been, like in the story, has been beat up, robbed, stripped, and left for dead in the middle of the road. And, and just be an answer to them in any way that you can. So I think if, if, if I can approach my day like that and just stop for the woman who's in the middle of my road every single day, <laughs> yeah. my lovely bride Joy, and then the, whoever, whoever, whatever other people he leads to me. And, and of course, that doesn't say anything about what we do in the pulpit and, yeah. and all that. But um, That's the heart of it. It mm-hmm. is. It. Okay, it is. I'm going to ask this to everyone who comes um, on the show about church planting. What um, do you what do you know now that you wish you would have known back then when you were planning a church? What is that one thing where you thought, oh, if I only knew this back mm-hmm. then? Sorry, I didn't give you the question no, ahead no, of time, better. but uh, I, it's better this way. Yes, I think that one is what I just said. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I would have realized that the the one person on that one day was just as important as what I would say from a pulpit for far too long. I, I mean, I talked too long. That's what I'm saying. But just to realize that that, and because I, I remember one moment, a guy that came to me and he was pouring out his heart and he was a difficult, it's one of those very difficult conversations. And I remember how I answered him that day and it, it wasn't great. And I, I remember I just, I said to him, John, you wear me out. Yes. <laughs> That's not what he needed to hear that no. day. And it was wearing me out. I just, because I'm thinking, I have no idea how to, how to solve that problem you just laid out for me. But I could have, I could have been a better friend at that moment for him. And I, it was one of those kind of moments where you think, this is not what I signed up for, Mm -hmm. but it was what I signed up for if I'd only known that. That's right. I had a few of those these last weeks. That's a good word for me. It's tough. But I feel like you were saying like that, I can't remember how you worded it, but people were like, yeah, I'm going to plant a church and how many tattoos do I need? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, there's like you had said at the um, church planning conference we had, and it was huge for me, was that one of the main things is managing expectation. And I think that if you're going into it, like a little trepidation, like, Lord, really? Like, is this really what you're calling me to do? Like it, there's, it's a big responsibility. Kicking and scre- screaming like you did going to a refuge. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you say? The heel marks? All the heel marks. All, yeah. All across I mean, I feel like there's a mountain of holy fear of, mm-hmm. okay. And, and you've done it before. So you yeah. know what's required. No, it's not, it's not an yeah. easy thing. And so I think that I know this is a church planning podcast, but you just, you all need to hear this. <laughs> you it's better not, be ready. It's not an easy thing. And another thing I think I would have done too, was to purposely, um, to build a team, to build a real, you know, team mentality and a family mm-hmm. vibe mm-hmm. between the people that are working with us. But it would be wonderful to go out with another couple. It'd be yeah. great to go out, you know, yeah. Not just two by two with another brother, but another family that, yes. that really shares having that a heart. nice core mm-hmm. team of yeah. uh, family members. Yeah. yeah, we have that here, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And Shannon and Jesse are yeah part of it now. <laughs> and it's just like any family, you know, you, you have your little family things, yeah. but to have those people, right? Uh, and I am I am so blessed for for you and Lynn, yeah, and your family that that you have, Jesse oh, and yeah, Shannon. Yeah, well, I really am. <laughs> We appreciate it. We know it's proud of these guys. They're awesome. (laughs) Any last words, uh, Pastor Bill, that you want (laughs) to share with us? Some wisdom that you have? I mean, it's been good. Humility, I think, is that Mm -hmm. that theme. And I think that's 
what I see in my dad is like I was um, last night after he did the shepherd here. Mm-hmm. Somebody was like, oh, your dad just seems like such a tenter, tenter, tender, <laughs> like a, a gentle man. And I was like, he is. I said, what I've always appreciated about my dad is who you see on the pulpit is who yeah. that's my dad. There's not a different man who preaches from the pulpit. The very same personality, character, humility is the same Hmm. as who my dad is. Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's good stuff. I don't know. I'm as good as you do, but Mm -mm. But humility is something. Well, I think something I've always appreciated about my dad, too, is, you know, when he's sorry, I might cry now, but. I'm just a tender, gentle woman. <laughs> but I think it's, you know, if he would blow it or get upset with us or say something, you know, as a father, as a mother, like we say things to our kids where we're like, oh, I really blew that. But he would always come to us and apologize mm-hmm. and ask for mm-hmm. our forgiveness and make it clear that that is not how I should have treated you. And I, it just made me feel like I was so valuable. Mm-hmm. Like I really, you know. You are. <laughs> yeah. Look at you. I, just I, I, know, I'm just, uh, I need to get some tissue. I'm gonna cry. I'm crying. I would put this uh, down there too, Brian. Okay. And Psalm 42 is the deer um, pants for the the water. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. Mm. And to always have just that heart for Jesus. And remember who it is that uh, we get to represent. Mm-hmm. It's just remarkable. It's just so almost unbelievable that God would say, hey, Bill, I've got, I've got something for you to do for me and with me. Hmm. I remember, uh, I'll give you one of my favorite books okay. on ministry, Ministry, Great. Mission, Pastoring, uh, Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness by Jerry Cook. Okay. It's, it's still very available. Our team back in, in uh, Huntington Beach is reading that together right now. But um, Jerry tells this uh, story it's, it's obviously not a true story, but Jesus comes back to heaven after the resurrection and the angels greet him and they say, amazing what you did, just incredible what you did. What have you done to make sure that the world hears this? And he said, well, I told all my friends, <laughs> I told them to tell everybody they know. Oh, wow. And he, and there's this moment of telling silence where the angels look at one another, just, you know, aghast and said, we've, we've watched those guys. Surely you must have made some other plans. And Jesus says, I've made no other plans. That we, we get to be his representatives here. And that's, a, that's an ominous task, an impossible task, if it weren't for the fact that he said, I'll fill you with my Amen. With Holy Spirit. That's it, right? And you'll yeah. get it done. That's it. And I'll work with you. <laughs> and until we do that, he can't fully use no, us I the know, way that he Because we're just a bunch of dummies. Yeah. We are. Yeah. <laughs> Prideful dummies. No second, yeah. no other plans, Jesus. No, nope. <laughs> nope. This is it. <laughs> yep. And, and what a <laughs> joke that we would try to make celebrities out of ourselves. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah. How embarrassing we must be when we get to heaven. It's just like oh. down in front. Down yeah. in front. <laughs> Have you ever? I've often, I've often wondered if Jesus would come walking into, or even Paul would come walking into, uh, you know, one of our congregations on a on a Sunday morning, and say. So what exactly are you trying to do here? <laughs> this is cute. Yeah, it's like a kindergarten place? play. Yeah. yeah, what is this place? Shannon, any any last thoughts um, before we, we go? I don't think so. Yeah. I, think, I think he covered it. Pastor Bill, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, and um, those words of wisdom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to this again and again myself and 
Shannon. Thanks for being on, co helping co-host today. Uh, and um, well, thank you, Brian. I'm proud of you, man. I, I'm not your daddy, but if I were, I'd be telling you how proud I am. A spiritual father. I'll for the way you follow Jesus that. around the world. Keep it up. Amen. Keep it up. Amen. You and are amazing. Hey, thanks for joining us today at the Cultivate Church Planting Podcast. For more information on church planting or to get involved with the Cultivate program, visit cultivatechurchplanting.com. You can also find us on social media and YouTube at Cultivate Church Planting. We'll see you next time.